today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time for that. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320-KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320-KLWN. It is college basketball season. It's it here. is KU basketball season. It is here. And guess what? We have it for you right here on KLWN. Pre-game 4.30, tip-off at 6 o'clock. Uh, I, I would rather them be the early game, personally. Um, That's because you're old. I know. I am getting old. I I struggle with the fact that, like, some I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. They'll play at, like, 9 o'clock here. And I'm, I'm like, in the seventh inning. It's, like, 11.30, and I'm, like, laying in bed, and I'm, like, ugh. They're down five to two. I'll just go to bed. Isn't it always a bummer when like the the late NBA and this almost always happens. The late NBA game is the one with Kevin Harlan. Oh, that's yeah. the one you most want to watch. I think Marv Albert's retiring though, so maybe maybe maybe, he'll, get maybe Harlan will get that. But yeah, so, yeah, you always get the really the best NBA games, particularly now with with the Western Conference being the way it is. The really you get you know Portland and Golden State at nine and you know at night it's like good god yeah you're just up till one in the morning watching basketball which i guess isn't the worst thing in the world but the early game tonight for ku uh i i i don't know uh they haven't played in madison square garden since two years ago when they had the duke game and it was horrible and they had 30 turnovers but i just want to i just want to move that out of my brain i just want to act like that didn't happen and act like the last time they were in Madison Square Garden was the Frank Mason shot. That, by the way, was the only time Duke has beaten Kansas in this event. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, so uh, Kentucky has obviously beaten Kansas multiple times. The Anthony Davis year, the vodka game, but I think KU has beaten them the last two Twice. times. Twice, yeah. I think they got them 65-61 one year, and I think they got them by a couple of points the other year. Uh, but the last, last two that year, I can think last of were year stinkers was, yeah, of um, games. Last year was actually a good one because it was when Jalen Wilson. Yeah, KU I just mean beat, stinker of game in terms of like oh low yeah, scoring, low quality. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Self actually said that. Uh, well, I, Christian Brown said this, but he was kind of echoing a, a Bill Self sentiment that your defense is going to matter a lot because just the nature of this game, it's going to be hard to make shots because these these early games are always kind of ugly. Yeah, they are, and I would. I would kind of expect that tonight, but also we saw last time that you played Michigan State in the Champions Classic. High that scoring. Was, yeah, that was the Quentin Grimes game. I think it was like 92 to 87, somewhere in that range. So That was also, for the record, that was the only time and first time that Kansas beat Michigan State in this event. The one before so that Kansas was... Kansas has now beaten everybody and lost everybody, and the two times they lost to Michigan State were both just so annoying. Yeah, because in each one they had a big lead late and squandered it, and they almost did in the win as well. If you remember that game, yeah. so um, that'll be interesting tonight. I, I don't know if it's going to be a great game or, or a bad game in terms of the quality of play. We've seen a lot of bad games, so I would lean that that's going to be the case in terms of just making shots and high scoring game. But the fact that Michigan State does like to get out in transition, um, the fact that. KU might try to get out and transition more this year than they have in the, in the past couple of years because of kind of the roster. Maybe it will be a more entertaining game uh, from that standpoint, but that'd be pretty cool uh, if you can echo the soul of Frank Mason into this game. You were at that game. I was you? at that game. I flew out um, the morning before. I Yes, the morning before. Uh, I have a, one of my best friends at the time. Uh, they, they bought a house in the suburbs now. Um, I think in like New Rochelle or somewhere around there. But at the time, they were living on Manhattan. And uh, so yeah, he was a KU grad. And I went up there, um, stayed with he and his wife for a couple nights. We went to the game. It was awesome. I think Duke, I was kind of sitting there going, KU's losing this game by five or seven and a half. And it's about the worst they could possibly play. And then they came back. They actually had a decent lead. I think they led by multiple possessions that game, and you were kind of thinking, is this KU team going to start with two straight losses? 
because that was the KU team that lost on the aircraft carrier mm-hmm. to uh, Indiana a couple weeks before uh, when they just they foul, everybody fouled out and it went to one or two overtimes and Indiana wound up beating them. Uh, so you thought, are they going to lose with, you know, are they going to start the season with two straight losses? Um, Duke came back. KU came back at first, took a, a, a multiple possession lead. Duke came back from that. Um, KU, they, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, they drew up a play, but ultimately what the play turned into was Frank taking it in and just popping it in from the elbow. And it was, it was so much fun. Um, everybody, I was sitting in the KU section and, and everybody, uh, the, the, Poor people, KU section. We were up high. Uh, we were in the 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 uh, non six figure income KU section, um, the barely five figure KU uh, income KU section, and uh, but we were there nonetheless. In post game, we were all just rock chalk chanting all the way down the stairs uh, out of the arena. So it was it was a really fun. I love this event, and I self has kind of said things to this before, and and uh, I think a lot of people would echo this. This event is so so fun, for one because it's a chance to to play against another great opponent. But in essence, it doesn't matter that much. Like we're no. going to be bummed if KU loses, but it's not going to mean as much as a loss will later. No, not at all. I I think I remember seeing one stat at one point, like a year or two ago, that like the winners of the Champion Classic games uh, end up going further in the tournament than the losers like 70% of the time, but that's still such a small sample. And it's like, it would have gotten trumped in for instance, 2020, the bad game in Madison square garden that I mentioned where you had like 30 turnovers against Duke, that KU team was going to go further in the tournament than Duke. Even you though would they think. Lost. Yeah. You They're would the number one overall seed. Exactly. And that um, Duke team was like a two or a three seed. So, um, but it was, yeah, they, I just, this is such a cool event. It's such a smart event. Right. Uh, whoever came up with it is a really, really bright idea. Um, I, I just, I think it's, I love that they've kept it going. I love they kept it going with the same teams. I love that the four teams in it have kind of continued to perform at high mm-hmm. levels through the 10 years. I mean, Kentucky missed a tournament, I think in 2013 with the Nerlens Noel injury. Um, they were an eight seed one year, although it was an eight or a nine, they wound up going to the title game. But regardless, for the most part, these four teams that have participated in it since the beginning of this event in 2011 have all continued to do really well as programs. And what you said about this game, like if you win, you're going to use this on your resume in March, and it's a great win. If you lose, it's not a big deal. Uh, we've seen so many teams bounce back from early season losses, so that is cool. I'm going to try to make sure I don't overreact to everything we see tomorrow. And this isn't just a Champions Classic thing because that comes into play too of overreacting to that. But it's, it's a first game thing. I, I think back to last year, the very first game of the season, I believe, was the Gonzaga game on Thanksgiving Day. And I remember that, walking out that of that before game. The, after the Champions Classic or before? that uh, Last year, they did the Champions Classic on December, I want to say, 1st or something okay, like that. Okay. Last year was just different because of COVID. Yeah, yeah everything was weird. Everything. Um, but yeah, typically now the Champions Classic kicks off the season. Um. The Gonzaga game kicked off the year, and KU had a really good offensive game, really bad defensive game, although you could also argue Gonzaga was just that elite They fought back, though. Still, that, that yeah. KU team was awful in the first half, and they fought back to tie it, mm-hmm. and they wound up losing by 10. But I, I kind of – what I saw last year in that game was a team without a heap of talent but a ton of fight. Yeah, so my big takeaway from that game was like, oh, this is going to be an offensive-minded team. They've got all these guys who are going to go off offensively and defensively. Like, that'll be a work in progress. I'm sure Bill Self will get it figured out. But that's my big question. By the end of the year, they were one of the best defensive teams in the country, and the offense ended up outside the top 50 in Ken Palm. So I'm not going to take what happens tonight as gospel for the rest of the season, but it's it's just a fun event. Now, as far as what we see on the court, Jalen Wilson, obviously out for this game. Uh, this is something Bill Self mentioned. We played the audio for you yesterday, and he talked to the media on Sunday uh, leading up to the game, and he was talking about Jalen Wilson being out in the starting lineup and the fact that Michigan State has a ton of size. They've got six foot six, uh, the Max Christie kid at the shooting guard who's their, their top uh, prospect coming in. They've got a six foot eight small forward. You know, you've got a big uh, center who's who's blocking shots, and then the, you're looking at like six nine at the power forward. They've got a lot of size, a lot of length all over the court. Um, and and something Bill Self said was, you know, it, it's unfortunate Jalen can't play because of the fact that 
it would help us more match up size wise. But now we have to slide everything down instead of Christian Brown at six foot five, six foot six being the three. Now he's having to play the four and you lose a little more size there. So forth. And he also mentioned in that comment and you add a six foot guard in there, which is interesting. If you look at the heights, I guess it's possible he was referring to a guy like Dewan Harris, but Dewan Harris is six foot two. And I think Dewan Harris was going to be in the starting lineup anyway. I guess he could be referring to Joe Yesifu, right? Joe Yesifu is like five foot eleven, five foot ten, six foot. So it's possible Joe Yesifu gets a start tonight. I'm assuming though he's referring to Remy Martin. I'm assuming he's referring to Remy Martin getting a start tonight, taking Jalen Wilson's place to where it would be Martin, Dewan Harris, Ochai, Christian Brown, and then David McCormick. What do you read into that comment in terms of I, I guess not even the comment. The fact that Remy Martin would be starting tonight almost overtaking Jalen Wilson, do you think that does mean that if Jalen Wilson were available tonight, Remy Martin would be coming off the bench? Yeah, to me it tells me one of two things. Either that it's still at a position, Remy Martin is still at a position where he's playing well, but not particularly defensively, hasn't fully bought into the way Bill Self wants it, which he's kind of hinted at before, and, and he hasn't flat called out Remy Martin and saying, you know, he's, he's playing poorly or anything like that. He's still, but he, he said in no uncertain terms, he's still waiting for him to buy into how they, they coach him at Kansas versus how they coached him at Arizona State. And then I think the other side of that could be he just means it from a matchup standpoint that he would prefer Jalen Wilson for this particular game mm-hmm. because he's longer. Uh, we all know what a good rebounder he is, uh, despite the fact he's not what you typically think of as a big man. So it could be a matchup thing, but it's very possible that, you know, Remy Martin is still um, not quite to where Self expects him to be uh, on the defensive side and how Self expects him to play and, and take coaching. Yeah, and the matchup thing is, is good to bring up because Michigan State's four-man, Joey Hauser, is a knockdown three-point shooter for a four-man. So ideally, you'd like to have a mobile four-man like Jalen Wilson who can kind of do the same thing uh, beyond him. Um, but I guess now that you don't have that option, certainly you come into the thing. I, I kind of think that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we walk away tonight and Dewan Harris plays like 35 minutes and Remy Martin's at like 28. I I feel like at some point, I don't know, maybe maybe tonight's not the night, but at some point in the early season, there will be a moment in time where like Remy Martin has a bad stretch, whether it's turnovers or not playing defense. Bill Self's going to sit him on the bench for five minutes and put in one of the other point guards. Maybe it's not tonight because the reason why I would also think like to Remy Martin, a guy who seems to shine in the big moment, does this not seem like a perfect Remy Martin game? Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already talked about the the big lights there. The event itself, um, you know, the the name Michigan State isn't currently ranked, but I think they're receiving votes, and, I mean, they're just a big name. Um, you know, this is the – it used to be, and this is one thing I wish they still did, but this used to be the event that ended the 24-hour bas- college basketball yeah. marathon that tipped things off. I liked that. I loved it. And uh, this they no longer do that, but this is still the big showcase event to begin the college basketball season. Um yeah, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, if Remy Martin's the type of player that shows out for, you know, 28 or 30 points in a game like mm-hmm. this uh, and then can't be found for six points in a Saturday afternoon game where you're paying a team $20,000 to come <laughs> in and lose. Yeah, and and to the point of wrapping that up with self him possibly coming off the bench, if Jalen were playing, again, we, we just will never really know. I, I think it is a good question about, um, you know, what does that mean moving forward? Like when Jalen Wilson comes back into the fold of things, if he earns back into the starting lineup, does that mean Remy Martin is going to the bench at that What's point? What's his first game back? Because he'll miss Tarleton uh, State, and I think he'll miss Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, I believe that'd be the uh, or ESPN, like Orlando, whatever it's called. Um, oh, that far out in the back. Thanksgiving week? Okay. Because, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Stony Brook would be the last one that I believe he would miss. Or Stony then, Brook. I keep saying it's Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, well, they do play Stephen F. Austin, um, and then yeah, they they play that uh, that tournament over Thanksgiving, so that would be his first time back. And I would imagine Jalen Wilson when he does come back, like he's not gonna start right away. But if Jalen Wilson has a couple of good games off the bench, or maybe even one good game off the bench, 
Maybe he goes back to. I don't know. Maybe he maybe, will. Start I, right I off think the he's bat. still practicing. Yeah, which leads me to think there's a so chance he, he could still start. Sure, it, it wouldn't be crazy. At Remy all. Martin um, has a chance to establish himself. Now, yes, though. and that's the thing. But if Remy Martin, I, I think that gives you an indication that if Remy Martin does not continue to perform well in games, and I think more so with Bill Self, he wants him to perform well in practice leading up to the games. Like I don't think it would be crazy for him to be on the bench at some point, and. I don't think Remy Martin, he seems like a guy who, like based on how he came off the bench against Emporia State, he was so excited, he was so happy. I don't think it's going to be something that bothers him, at least early in the season. But if you're still on the bench in December, in January, in February, like how does that affect your morale? How does that affect the morale of the team? So that'll be something that I am very curious on because it still, to me, does not seem like Remy Martin has gathered the full-on trust of Bill Self. And there is a... I don't know. There is there is a very small part of me that almost thinks, uh, and and Bill Self wants to win the game regardless. I don't want to make this sound like he wants this to happen at at cost of losing the game. Do you think there is at least a part of Bill Self that would rather KU win ugly over Michigan State and Remy Martin has a bad game? Again, they're still winning versus KU beating Michigan State because Remy Martin has thirty five points. Just in the sense, just so he'll get it. Yeah. Um, maybe. I think uh, the more, you know, I, I wonder if, if Self more would just want a lot of examples that he can show on film of Remy Martin playing poorly on defense mm-hmm. just so he can point out, look, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I, I wonder that. That's that's an interesting question. I, I, I think more than anything, I think he just is, is waiting to get example of in-game examples to prove that he's right, yeah. basically. To say, look, I've been telling you this in practice. Now here's proof on film of, of you're getting beat by this guy and you're getting beat by that guy and you're getting beat by that guy too. I think those are more the the things he's looking for. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was really interesting. I was listening to like a college basketball preseason um, podcast with uh, Sam Vecini, who covers the draft for The Athletic, and uh, oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, um, Rob Doster, who uh, does the Field of 68, um, college basketball writer used to work with like NBC and stuff, and they were talking. They were like, "I don't even know if Remy Martin's a top fifty player. I don't know if I can trust Remy Martin to lead a national title winning team." So uh, I guess that campaign all starts tonight. Um, one thing that I do find interesting as well tonight is like how many people are going to play. So uh, if you're looking at like who played in the rotation, I don't mean just like who played at all. I'm not talking if you came in for two minutes, uh, like who played actual reasonable minutes. So if we go back the last six Champions Classics. Um, players who played 10 or more minutes in a game, 6, 6, 8, 6, 8, 8. If you go by 7 or more minutes, which would basically be like two, four-ish minutes uh, stints into the game, 7, 7, 9, 6, 8, 9. Bill Self, even early in the season, in this big game, like he's going to do more tinkering, I think, in the Stony Brook game, right? He's yeah. going to do more tinkering against Harlequin He wants State. to win every he game. He wants to win every game, and he's going to stick with the guys he trusts the most in this game. I think those returning starters, obviously Jalen Wilson not there, but the three guys who will be starting tonight with Ochai Christian, David McCormick, and then I think Dewan Harris, I think all those guys are going to play huge minutes tonight. I'm not expecting to see the full um, armada of... It would have depth. to be a blowout. Yes, exactly. Like, I, I'm not expecting... Like, okay, I could see Zach Clements coming in the game for two, three minutes. I could see Kim Martin coming in the game for two, three minutes. But I think in this game specifically, you're not going to see the full nature of the depth. You're not going to see the full nature of all those bodies until he has games where he feels like he can experiment more. Now, that said, you look at some of the deeper teams on here, and they did play, you know, maybe eight guys, 10-plus minutes a game. So that's how I would kind of look at this. I think they'll probably play eight guys, 10 or more minutes. Maybe a ninth guy will play seven or more minutes. And if we're to try to distinguish who those will be, again, if we think the starting lineup is going to be Martin, Harris, uh, Ochai, Christian, and and Dave, those guys obviously get penciled in. I think right now I would lean toward the backup five minutes being going to Mitch. I think by the end of the year, a Big 12 play, like a guy like Zach Clements or Cam Martin will usurp Mitch. But I think right now it was clear in the exhibition game and it was clear I Curtis Townsend's comments after the game and the the radio broadcast that Mitch right now has the edge. So I would look at him as being uh, the guy, Joe Yesfu, I I think certainly will play off the bench. That gets you to seven. And then you try to figure out the last one slash two spots between is Jalen Coleman-Lands even going to play? He's been nursing a a 
toe injury, so I don't even know if, if he's going to play. Uh, will Bobby Pettiford play? We saw him a lot in the exhibition game. I kind of think he will. Um, and then what about those other bigs with Clements and Cam Martin? What about a guy like K.J. Adams? Um, are you leaning in any way with who you're kind of expecting to see tonight? Um, I think we'll see more, and I'm just thinking because I, I think we'll see more than a, than a typical dose of Christian Brown as the season continues because I, I just can't think of one. Like I'm trying to think of how I, I, they would chop up uh, Jalen Wilson's mm-hmm. minutes. And I think the more likely scenario is they use a lot of Christian Brown rather than chopping up the minutes between a bunch of different guys because there's so few guys who can guard a four. Yeah, I and think so that's smart. I, I think that that will be, you know, I think Brown's minutes will be higher tonight than maybe uh, he it would have. He may get, in terms of minutes, he may benefit the most from Jalen Wilson's absence because I just they don't have very many players built that way that you can chop up the minutes between. Yeah, so I'm kind of expecting that. As far as like a player you're most interested in seeing tonight, does anybody stick off the page? It's going to be Remy Martin. Yeah. Um, does he shoot? I mean, he, he scored a lot, but does he shoot a little better than he shot against Emporia State? What's his energy look like? What's he look like on the defensive end? Um, Ochai, because it's I'm always interested in how a, a good shooter shoots in an arena because that's really going to matter come March. Um, so something, you know, that, that'll matter quite a bit. And then defensively, um, God, that kid for I forget his name. Ham, ha, um, it's not Hamburg. Is it the big kid for um, Michigan State? Um, they've got Marcus Bingham. Who's Bingham, like, Bingham. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew there was a ham in his name. <laughs> I just put it at the beginning, not the end. Ham big. Uh, so yeah, Bingham's a a large man. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be a matchup that I'm interested in. Yeah. How how close does David McCormick play to the rim tonight? Yes, I, I think that's the matchup I'm most interested in. As far as players, like you mentioned, Remy Martin, um, I would not be surprised if we walk away from the end of tonight going, man, Dewan Harris was their most important player tonight. And then I'm also, I've, I've just been very much on the KJ Adams hype train. I'm, I'm interested to see how it translates to the regular season and in a game like this when Jalen Wilson's out there and he could play kind of four minutes for you. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. KU pregame coverage on KLWN starts in about an hour right here. Depend on it. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. About 10 till 4, Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, joins us from New York City at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. KU Michigan State, tip-off 6 o'clock, pregame 4.30, all right here on KLWN, KLWN.com, and on our sister station, 105.9 KISS and 105.9 KISS FM. Com. Um, so as we look at Michigan State, I mentioned how much length they have overall as a team. Obviously, we know just like the classic cliche of a Tom Izzo team is that they're going to play hard and that they're going to rebound the heck out of the basketball. Uh, there are two matchups, though, that really stick out to me the most in this game. Actually, three. Uh, one is just from like a talent standpoint. So that was kind of the third one I want to add. Like Max Christie is the six foot six freshman guard for Michigan State. He is a knockdown shooter of a freshman. I don't know. He could end up being like first round pick or something. He might be going up against Ochai Baji a little bit. And that is the guy like if you look at all teams who win national titles, I think you have to go all the way back to um, maybe the 87 Indiana team to find a team who won a national title without having a first round pick. Does that sound right? I, I know it's been a while. So since the 14 to the seven seed UConn team. Yeah, Shabazz Napier ended up being a, a late first-round pick. And and I guess it's a chicken and egg, right? Because if you end up winning the title, somebody's yeah. going to get boosted. Or did they make that run because he was yeah, so talented? Exactly. That, had that's a player like that's that. the impossible question. I would imagine Ochai is that guy that if KU wins a title, like he would be the one you circle to say. Yeah, I, just, I still don't see it with him mm-hmm. as a first-rounder. Again, you could be right. A, a crazy year I just don't combined know with a great be. March run. Yeah, um, I, just, the, I, guess I, I don't see... Huge, you know, I I don't see just major athleticism with him. Newell touched on this before. I I think he could get Ochai might turn out to be a perfect example of a guy who of of what we've seen lately of guys who get drafted in the second year 
or I mean the second round, uh, but still have a really good NBA career. And that usually never happened. Mm-hmm. The second round pick has become more and more valuable, and I could see Ochai becoming a three and D guy in the NBA. But yeah, I mean if he goes nuts, um, what he lacks is just insane athleticism, like. Hot, just like he, when he's he not has super good jumping springy. skills, yeah. and he has like you see him throw down these crazy dunks. It's just not. It doesn't feel like it's always been functional. Where like he's not able to take guys off the drive and then dunk on him. Maybe that's a, a transition we'll see at some point this year. But uh, we haven't we haven't necessarily seen that turn into anything in the game. So so I don't know. So that'll be an interesting matchup just because of that. I guess the top prospect on each team. Maybe um, beyond that, like Michigan State was a team who. Wasn't very good offensively last year. Um, I think they were 64th in Ken Palm in offense a season ago, which is um, one of the, or, or I believe that was actually their just overall ranking. Um, but anyway, at the point guard position, they really struggled. Rocket Watts was kind of inconsistent for them. He now transferred away to Mississippi State. They brought in Tyson Walker, who was a transfer from Northeastern, who averaged 19 points, five assists per game, two and a half steals. He was everything for them offensively. When you look at what they did with him on the court versus on the court, they were a horrible team with him on the court. They were a a solid team with him on the court. He was also the conference defensive player of the year. Tyson Walker was also a guy that KU was in on trying to bring him in as a grad transfer. They ended up not getting him. He goes to Michigan State. They still had the scholarship open at that point guard position, and then boom, they bring in Remy Martin. That is a very interesting matchup to me for a couple reasons. One, it's it's two shorter guards. Both are six feet tall. Two, you have the standpoint of both were recruited by KU to come in here, and I don't know if it was a situation of you know Tyson Walker just picked Michigan State over KU or if it was KU saying, hey, we want to wait and see. you got to wait to make a decision because we want to see what this other guy does. I, I have no idea what the case was there, um, but certainly the fact that you have those tie-ins and the fact that you have a, a defense kind of first guy with Tyson Walker, who still does well offensively, versus an offensive first guy with Remy Martin, that's an interesting matchup to me, both in terms of both are good and the fact that there's storylines there. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's one I hadn't even thought of in terms of that that specific storyline. Um, I would be, I don't know, I, I guess I would be interested to see and. If, if Remy Martin is unable to score much, is it because of him, or is he still able to get shots? Um, and then on the other side with Michigan State, if you can get a guy like that who can score, if scoring from the outside, the, a couple reasons it's so important. One, it just um, it's it's a more efficient way to get points. But two, uh, it, it allow if you have at least one threat from the outside that that gives you. You know, there's that's that's another guy that that the defensive players have to pay attention to, and allows you to run more, you know, to to flow with a little more freedom, and you don't have to rely so much on your sets. We all remember KU teams that it just looked like they were in quicksand, but the offense Final last year, yeah, because they never had just one guy where they could be like, all right, go create. It all they had to live in sets where it was like, okay. We got 30 seconds. Okay, we're past half court, 25 seconds. We run the first set, nothing. We run the second set, nothing. We run the third set, nothing. There's six seconds left, somebody chuck it. Mm-hmm. And if you have a guy who can just create on his own, uh, what that does is you don't have to keep running the same sets over and over again, and the defense doesn't have as much an opportunity to figure figure it out. So you could, you could have a chance to, to save a set, you know, it's not exactly like football where you run, you know, you run different plays and you use plays early to figure out what they're going to do later in the game. But if you ha- if you can keep something in your pocket um, from a play and a set standpoint, simply because you have a guy who can create something on his own, uh, that helps. And if if that uh, I forget his name, the Tyson Walker Tyson Walker is able to do that for Michigan State, um, that's just going to uh, make things just more dynamic for them. And then the last matchup was one that you mentioned in the open, David McCormick and Marcus Bingham. Uh, David McCormick, obviously the, the or Hamburg post scorer. Is what I call yeah, yeah. Marcus Hamburglar um, is uh, looking to steal the win for Michigan State. Let him. Uh, <laughs> he has been a really good shot blocker um, over the course of his career, and I think in the exhibition game he had nine blocks in one of their exhibition games. So that scares you a little bit, but there still is a difference between being a great shot blocker and a great defender. Even despite him being a good shot blocker last year, Michigan State ranked in the 21st percentile a year ago, according to Synergy, in 
points allowed per possession on post-ups, um, which is a kind of, I guess, convoluted way of saying that they weren't 80, that good. Yes, eighty percent of teams were better yeah. than them at defending post-ups, right? So maybe he is a great defender and a shot blocker this year, right? He could end up being both. But if it's just the shot blocking, that gives you an opportunity for David McCormick. Now, if not, if he's able to take Dave out of the game, it really changes what KU can do offensively because you don't really have anybody else that you can dump it down low and score points. We saw last year Kentucky's Isaiah Jackson had a block party until Jalen Wilson really just got it going at the end of that game and kind of took over and led KU to a win. Um, that is a very interesting matchup to me, and I'm also interested because anytime you have a big-on-big matchup, Foul trouble is always a conversation. What about how Dave might uh, respond if if he starts out getting annoyed early? How's he going to respond to that? Because That's a good it, question. Self is a good big man coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Norm Roberts is officially the big man coach on this staff, but Self has had success with big men. Um, what's How is David McCormick going to respond if in the first eight or ten minutes um, Bingham is really bothering him? And and self offers some potential adjustments. Is he gonna is he gonna flow with that and go with it, or is, is he gonna allow annoyances in the first ten minutes, let him bother him for the next thirty? Yeah, and that's always the question with Dave. Like, what Dave are you getting? Are we getting the one that was dominant at the end of Big Twelve play last season, or are we gonna get the one that was struggling early in the year? And those are kind of the biggest matchups and and storylines for this game for me. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, joins us next. Welcome back in. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Out early today at 4.30 for coverage of Kansas-Michigan State is when pregame takes over. Tip-off at 6 o'clock. You can hear it all right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, joins us now on the show. Uh, Matt, uh, I, I think Remy Martin is going to start tonight. I, I know the comment that Bill Self made on Sunday uh, about with Jalen Wilson being out that, you know, we're going to have a six-footer in there that kind of sounds like it would be Remy Martin. Do you think he would not be starting if, if Jalen Wilson were able to play in this game? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I've seen a lot of people kind of kicking that around the last couple of days and I, you know I, I don't know the answer obviously but I, I i it wouldn't surprise me um you know based on what we know right we we know ochai and and dave are starters we know that and we know christian brown is and then he flat out said the other day that dewan's been as good as anybody they've had and then he also said um after jalen's suspension was announced all the ways that jalen wilson was the best on the team in transition and rebounding and, you know, all those things. So when you start piecing those things together, um, it it wouldn't be a shock if that were the case. The good thing for self and the world, if you want to bring the world into it, is nobody has to find that out. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. I mean, sure, it's interesting to talk about, but, like, Jalen's out. So it, it doesn't matter. And then when he comes back, it's a it's a whole other conversation, right? I mean, does he automatically get his starting spot back? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there's definitely coaches, and Coach Self is probably one of them, that would say, you know, yeah, you're not just going to come back from a suspension and be thrown right back in the mix. I mean, we'll play you, but you've got to earn your spot back. And maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. But, um, you know, the whole debate kind of just brings back the point of, just how deep this team is, right? I mean, if there's even a possibility that you could consider the the, the idea of bringing Remy Martin off the bench, you've got an embarrassment of riches, and you're loaded, and, I mean, it's just just absolutely insane how much talent there is. So, having said all that, I I agree with you 100% based off what we heard Sunday. I think Remy's starting tonight. Remy's Remy's built for this game, um, and and he's never played in it. I mean, uh, I, I think he's played in three NCAA tournament games in his career. Two of them were losses, and and one was an early round victory. Um, you could make a case that this is the biggest game that Remy Martin's ever played in. Tournament games are big, I get it, but you know when you bow out in the first round, w- what were you going to do? You know, this this is New York City. This is the Champions Classic. This is all eyes on Kansas, Michigan State, Duke, and Kentucky. This is. Uh, you know, the start of a new season. This is this is his last chance at, at 
what he came to college to do. And so the stakes are high, and it's a massive, massive game. And, you know, win or lose team-wise, we've seen that doesn't necessarily matter over the years as much. But for Remy Martin himself, as an individual and for his brand and to showcase who he is and what he can do and all those things, this is a massive game, man. So I think he was built for these games. Um, I think he's going to have all kinds of energy and fire, just like we saw the other night against Emporia State, but probably on steroids times 100. I mean, this is just uh, – I can't imagine how excited he is for this opportunity tonight. Is it possible that he is already in the Bill Self doghouse despite playing one regular season game? Is that already happening right now? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I know, I know why you're saying it, but mm-hmm. I, I've said all along from really the minute they got him – through right now, you know, uh, they're both going to have to come to the middle a little bit. Remy's going to have to commit to defense. He's going to have to understand that there are just different things you have to do to, to get legit minutes and to be on the court for Bill Self at Kansas. And Bill Self's going to have to understand that there are just certain things that Remy does that are whatever you want to call it, the full Remy or the Remy Martin experience or, or you know, whatever it is. But, but, those things, whether they make you want to pull your hair out or make you chant his name in the student section like they did the other night, <laughs> they are Remy Martin, and they're they're part of his they're part of his aura, they're part of his essence, they're they're who he is, and and so you don't have to let all of it fly, you don't have to put up with every single piece of it, but I do think if yourself and the staff and even his teammates, you got to come to the middle a little on that because. Allowing him to be him is what makes him or gives him the potential to be great. And and they need him to be great. And they want him to be great. And if he's great, they're going to be great. So um, I think they'll both come to the middle. And, and yeah, there, there, there could be some really interesting games and nights and moments. Um, but that's just fun for the rest of us. They'll get through it. That's, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, that's their job. And, and it's certainly self's job. And so they'll find a way. And, and if it ever does click where they totally get each other, look out man but i do think that'll take some time and some massaging and and it's going to be fun to watch that almost as much fun as it will be to watch them play and and watch this team you know sort of come together if you had to take a guess on who is going to be part of the rotation night who's going to play and i don't necessarily just mean like oh are they going to come in the game right are they going to be in the game for two minutes i mean like actually kind of be a part of that rotation in tonight's game uh, who would you kind of take a stab at is going to be in, in the uh, first game? Not necessarily for the whole season, just right. for tonight. Um, well, first off, I think they go eight or nine. I don't think they're going to play nearly as many as they did the other night. I think we, it's possible we could find out some redshirt information, you know, if it's not already out there. So um, that'll that'll be a part of that, right? There's going to be one or two guys, I would imagine, that are entering tonight, planning to redshirt, and, and so that takes a couple of options away. Um, but, but just because of the magnitude of the game, just because of what the game's about, and, and the fact that you want to get off to a good start, I, I think you know it's probably eight or nine. Um, so we've got the five starters. I think Joseph Yusefu is definitely uh, in the rotation tonight. I think Mitch Lightfoot's probably in the rotation tonight. Um, because he's a reliable veteran who's been in these moments and played in these types of games. And, you know, he may not get 15 minutes. I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he does, but I, I think he comes in. I think he plays. Um, Jalen coleman lands is tricky because he's hurt still, so we don't know how that's going to go. Um, I'd lean toward maybe he's not playing. You don't want to make that worse in a game where you don't have to have him. Uh, who does that leave? Cam Martin, Zach Clemens. Bobby Pettiford, am I missing anyone? Um, I think KJ Adams. KJ Adams, there you go. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with KJ and Cam, and I'll go with uh, Yosefu and Mitch. So, um, you know, I just think I I, I think it's uh, I think it's just too easy to see if Bobby Pettiford's up for it and willing to do it. I think it's just too easy to see what a great move that would be to redshirt him because if self right and his comments about him being the next really good guard here are accurate, then why use him this year? If you don't need him, you know, you've got so much perimeter depth and you can save him and, and come back into next season knowing you got this really good guard with experience and having been through it once for the next four years instead of just three. So, um, 
I mean, we'll see. You know, and, and self's never going to tell a kid you have to redshirt. You know, so if Pettiford doesn't want to, then that'll that'll be a big part of that decision. But if he's up for it, I, I think that that makes an easy easy choice. And so, as much as he could play, he's terrifically talented. Um, you know, there's 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 just there's no reason to, as long as he's willing to 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 take one for the team, so to speak. So, Yusefu. What I say, Yusefu, Mitch, KJ, and Cam. That's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. But you're that's only one guard, right? I mean, um, you could obviously play, you could obviously play KJ in a guard type of position. But um, so maybe he comes in at that four spot, right, and kind of backs up Christian Brown or whatever is happening there. And then Yusefu's in there for one of those other three, Ochai and and Remy and and Dewan when they need a break um maybe it works um but yeah if it doesn't then then maybe coleman lands does get a get a little bit of run if his toe's okay but again i don't know why you'd push that if he's if he's not 100 percent. there's no reason to aggravate that thing again so um if i did a good job of hedging there and basically naming every player then uh (laughs) then i I think i answered your question but but i i do think it'll be probably nine guys tonight and uh those four i think would be my best guess at, at who will play uh after the starters well, you didn't mention uh, one of the starters from the exhibition game, so that's pretty Chris notable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't assume he's going to be part of the rotation either. Uh, we're talking with Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. I, I think the most interesting spot there for me is is what they do at the four position because of the fact that Jalen Wilson isn't there. You know, when you look at, at, at the center position, um, certainly you have, like, Mitch Lightfoot, Cam Martin, you know, so forth um, down the line that you can just say, okay, we have another guy there. Uh, you mentioned all the different point guards that they have, um, all the different wings that they have with Ochai, Christian Brown. You can play KJ on the wing. Um, you can play Jalen Coleman-Lands when he's he's right and healthy on the wing. You can even play three point guards like we saw them do for a brief moment in the exhibition game. Um, but you don't really have necessarily like a true backup four. You have guys who can play the four. Like Christian can slide down. Ochai can slide down. Um, I don't imagine that Jalen Coleman lands would be able to slide down. He's kind of a, a thinner kid, uh, but you have those two. And then you have the option of either KJ Adams or playing a second big, I believe, unless I'm, I'm missing somebody off the top of my head that doesn't leave you with as many options for the four position. When Jalen Wilson isn't here, then basically every other position on the court. And I can't just help, but wonder knowing how long and, and how much size that Michigan state has, if this could be kind of a perfect breakout party for KJ Adams not that you're going to look up at the end of the day and say wow he scored 17 points in his his opener but that we might come away from this game KJ Adams might have played 15 minutes and he really heavily influenced the game with a couple rebounds and a nice defensive play and good effort and and diving on the floor and making a nice entry feed on a pass and and just doing kind of the little things in a matchup that he has an opportunity for with Jalen Wilson out. Yeah, I mean, I, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, don't be surprised if it's a bit of a coming out party for him. Um, he's been great throughout camp. He's been great, you know, in the preseason, in the summer, in boot camp, all of those things. And at late night, he looked comfortable like he belonged. The other night, he looked comfortable and like he belonged. Now, very, very, very different stages, right? New York City, Madison Square Garden, national television, your first time as a true freshman. You know, th- th- there's no doubt that that can change your comfort level. Um, but it can also, I-, I think it could also enhance your, your your vibe, and maybe you're even more fired up, right? And so I do think that he's built for that position. Um you know, I, I think he can. I think he can play that maybe as well as anybody on this team. To be honest, I mean, Jalen, Jalen's taken to it very well, of course. Um, and and you know, he was such a huge, huge part of last year's team uh, with with that happening and him needing to play that position. But I still think if you know, if you were building a team, I don't know that you'd put Jalen Wilson at your four. You'd probably put him at three. Um, and and KJ Adams, a little more physical, a little stronger, a little bigger in a lot of ways, um, but also able to go out there and play on the perimeter and things like that. So I, I think he's, uh, I think he's a, a perfect modern-day four-type guy for college basketball. And, and so as long as he's willing to go out there and able to go out there and execute and limit his mistakes and, and look like he's composed and, and comfortable, I, I, yeah, I think he plays significant time. And, 
you know, if he's able to do that, whether it's tonight or, you know, in the next month or so, I think, again, that just opens up all kinds of opportunities and options and different lineups you can use. And, and we already know how many different ones they have. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great call by you. And, and I'm excited to see what he looks like um, just because I, I think that physically he's kind of built for that spot. And, and if he's ready mentally and, and can go out there and, and perform at a high level, um, it could be hard to take him off the floor at times. So what do you view in this specific matchup as, as kind of most intriguing to you? Like, what does Kansas, in your mind, have to probably do right tonight to come away with a victory? Well, I think the biggest thing is definitely, you mentioned Michigan State size, and, and you know, Dewan Harris and Remy Martin are two little dudes, period. Um, if they're both starting, if they both play together 25, 30 minutes, I mean, we don't know how that's going to shake out, of course, but... The, the guess is that that's probably going to be the case. They're probably going to be out there at least 20 minutes together. So how, how does that look? How, how does KU manage a six-foot point guard and a six-one point guard out there with, uh, you know, Michigan State's two basically being six-six? Um, you know, and then they've got, I think, uh, their, their, their transfer point guard is, I think, six-one, Tyson Walker, but that A.J. Hoggard might be like six-three or something. So, you know, there you go. If, if if he's in the game instead of Walker, they go six three, six six in the backcourt with Max Christie at six six. And KU, if they're if they're sticking with those two guys against that lineup, they're six foot six one against that. That's what are you giving up there? Three, five, eight inches right there. I mean, um, doesn't mean you're doomed by any means. I mean, those guys are going to have just as hard a time staying with the quickness. And, and dealing with the defensive pressure that Dewan especially, but Remy, if he's turned up, um, can, can, can provide by playing underneath them and being sort of those pests that they don't want any part of that just stuck right to them, you know, defensively. So they'll have their hands full both ways. And, and I don't think, I mean, it's not like they're going to take those guys down to the post. I probably just jinxed it and we'll probably see it all night now, but, um, but, but I don't, I don't think that's their game, you know? So that to me is one of the most interesting things. KU will look to run. They'll look to play fast. They'll want Remy and Dewan and Yosefu too, when he's in there, another six foot guard, you know, to push that pace and, and have David McCormick run with them and Ochai and CB run with them. And those guys are capable of running. And so, you know, if, if, if Kansas has the opportunity to play they want the way they want to play, this will be a track meet, and, and it'll be high scoring, and, and they'll just try to run Michigan State to death. Michigan State's been capable of running this year so far, only a couple of exhibition games, but they're willing to do it. It's just not their preferred strength. It's not their number one option, and I don't think they want to do it all game against the team that's probably man for man quicker than they are. So I, I think that's one of the most interesting facets of this game and then i also think david mccormick is just uh, an amazingly interesting part of this i mean um the, marcus bingham is, is, a, is a seven footer he's a shot blocker he's got the length inside to potentially bother dave but the way i see david's mindset right now he just seems so much more focused and locked in and and that whole free mind thing he talked about all last season it seems like he's entering this season slowly in that mode where he kind of finished last season and and so i i think even though bingham's a, a really nice player and and could give him and other jayhawks problems I think there's a chance that David McCormick could just be a man on a mission tonight and could just use his physicality to just try to bully those guys. And if he's able to and he stays out of foul trouble and, and, and he gets some easy buckets inside or maybe even a couple of ferocious dunk types early, uh, that could swing things in KU's favor and, and sort of set a tone that, that Michigan State's maybe not quite ready for either, but even at, even at, you know, the four spot with Gabe Brown or Malik Hall or guys like that who are smaller than Dave, um, those guys are tough and they play physical, they play bigger than they are. And, and so they, they don't have the same height and it'll be a challenge for them. But I don't think either one of those guys will be willing to back down. If, if Bingham's not up for it, I think either of those guys would say, I'll, I'll take a shot at him. Let's see what happens. And, and let's see what happens when he gets hit. Right. And, and, and then it becomes a, a, a real battle in there. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I just think there's so many ways that this matchup's kind of fun. And, and I think it's been overblown a little because, you know, Michigan State, the, the whole narrative that they're not ranked, right? I mean, 
that seems crazy and it seems weird for this this uh event too these teams are sometimes they've been one two three four in the country you know so it's it is a little weird to have one of them not ranked but it's not like they're 74th you know they're 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 the first team receiving votes so they're effectively 26th in the nation and that's obviously still a pretty damn good team so um i i think they've got a chance to come in here and play that you know nobody believes in us we're the underdog we've got nothing to lose thing and and if that's the case and they're able to play loose um, if KU is not willing to match that and can't be loose and, and just kind of having fun out there like they should be, then, then that could be a problem too. But um, it's the first game of the year. There's going to be problems on both sides in both games, and, and uh, that's, that's some of the fun of this thing, at least from our perspective, probably not from the perspective of the coaches, but uh, you know that's, that's not for us to worry about. Yeah, and I, I am not going to buy into the fact that Michigan State won't end up as a top 25 team. And certainly if they win this game, they will be. So it, it there you uh, go. won't really matter there. He is Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. You can check out all of his work there for after the game. Matt, what is the one thing when you're in New York City you have to do? I always go to Strawberry Fields across from the building where John Lennon lived and was shot. Um, it's a bittersweet place, right, because he lived there and he died there. But um, it's it's a very cool memorial in the park, in Central Park. And, it, it, you know, there's usually somebody playing music there, Beatles songs or whatever. And um, no matter how many times I've been there, no matter how many times I've come up here, um, <laughs> I just continually find myself walking up there and and hanging out for an hour, two hours, three hours. Sometimes bring my my laptop with me and do a little work while I'm just soaking up the sun and hearing the music and just watching the people come through. And it's uh, yeah, man. I mean, I know that's not everybody's answer, but it's definitely mine. And and I've even come out here to New York and, and tried not to go and then just found myself kind of drifting up that way. And, and next thing I know, well, might as well check it out again, you know, so that, that would easily be the answer, but there's a million food spots that are worth checking out. There's Broadway, which if you have more time is always, always worth it. Um, and, uh, man, just people watching that's, uh, somewhere in my, in my DNA, I've, I'm designed to do that. I love people watching, and there's no better city on the planet, I don't think, to people watch than New York City. So uh, beautiful weather, beautiful day, beautiful couple of days, and then uh, we'll uh, get up to the garden tonight and, and see how that looks and see if the beauty remains, but it should be a lot of fun. All right, that is Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, thank you so much for the time. All right, Derek. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, that's Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, getting you ready for KU Michigan State coming at you in about an hour and a half. We'll have pregame coverage for you starting at 4.30 right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. That's going to do it for today's edition of RCST. Don't forget to check out our Best of RCST podcast, available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. For Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Talk to you tomorrow, hopefully uh, positive to talk about. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.